1: the Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your
2: kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. First and go of the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown, it's caught hardman caught the ball the chiefs have won the chiefs have won the entire bench empties chasing mahomes in the end zone their third super bowl in five years the chiefs are back to back super bowl champions it is a dynasty the chiefs have won super bowl
3: 58 5-22 in overtime. Kevin Harlan is extraordinary. That he's was Westwood One. Good. Kevin Harlan with the call there. My God, he's so good. Um, I didn't get to hear if if uh, he called the partial streaker. Whoa! There was a streaker what? in the game last really? night. Really? Yeah, and Jim Nance referred to him as a partial streaker. Was and, it the top
4: part of the bottom part? Uh,
3: well, I believe it was that he his. His upper part was naked. He oh, called well, him that's a not a streaker. Well,
4: that's just a shirtless guy.
3: And I only know because there were Twitter videos. Yeah. Um, but obviously on the broadcast, they don't show it. And what sure. was, was funny is that Jim Nance refers to it, says there's a streaker on the field. Well, a partial streaker. And then Tony Romo says, oh, we're not supposed to talk about it. And then they move on to something else because that is right. That is the thing. Yeah. And I guarantee you that as soon as they mentioned it, there's a producer in the ear saying, stop talking about it yeah. right now because they don't want to give any attention to streakers.
4: No, they don't. Because not even it, partial streakers.
3: It's <laughs> Anyway. Can you imagine Har- the
4: security, though, at the Super Bowl? You have to be committed oh, to the streak. You
3: really do. Well, Kevin Harlan is really good at calling the stuff like that. Like, the guy's on the field. The guy is drunk. <laughs> and he's doing play-by-play for the the things you're not supposed to. Anyway, yeah. so we uh, talked to Danon Hughes about the Super Bowl victory for the Kansas City Chiefs.
5: Yeah, this has been a great run. Obviously an amazing game last night. Uh, incredible ending. Who would have drawn up a touchdown pass after what? 74 minutes and 57 seconds of gameplay to McCole Hardman of all people. So yeah, it's a it's an epic, epic time to be in the Chiefs' kingdom and incredible, incredible run and incredible win.
3: Uh, so that's Dane and Hughes, and yeah, this is a it's a tremendous time to be a Chiefs fan. Congratulations to all of you. You're so very lucky.
4: Listen, you. Bitter is, your, bitter is your stasis. I'm not bitter. As a Chicago Bears I'm fan. I'm not bitter. Um, the, I'm bitter. The Kansas City Chiefs, they they struggled for a long time. A long time. They hadn't had a Super Bowl win in, what, 25 years or something before they got really good? Well, not Super Bowl, sorry, playoff.
3: Yeah, playoff. Well, playoff
4: win in forever. They had to suffer, and they earned this. And wouldn't you rather it be a team from flyover country, Kansas City, Missouri, good old middle America, being the new Patriots instead of one of the coasts having no, it again?
3: No. Not at all. Why? Why? We're, well, this we're is in like, St. Louis. Who
4: was our caller? We're, we're not the, Kansas
3: City. The, we're St. Louis.
4: Well, listen. It's Missouri. Governor Parson was on the field.
3: Well, Kansas City is in his state. No, I know, but so are we. You should let <laughs> former president know it's in his state.
4: We have the same governor as the chiefs. Now, who was our caller? Was it Eric or Doug, the 49ers fan?
3: Um, I don't know, it might have been Eric.
4: He doesn't like the Chiefs because he doesn't like all the celebrities and all the hobnobbing.
3: Oh, yeah. And all
4: the I don't know, liberal agendas. I'm not sure. The
3: liberal agenda.
4: But but San Francisco? That's your alternative and that is uh that is something else. If this is not our caller because I don't know what our caller, he was not political. But we talked about the Joe Biden conspiracy and the deep state between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and the chiefs to get Joe Biden reelected. Not only would they get Joe Biden reelected, but they'd also get the hard right MAGA crowd to cheer for San Francisco.
3: Did they, though? I wonder if they were.
4: I think they were. Uh, Against the chiefs.
3: Just, yeah. Okay. At any rate,
4: I didn't see the endorsement of Joe Biden by Taylor Swift. I did but not it was either. A, I missed it. The end of the game was yeah. one of the most fun, I don't know, 45 minutes?
3: Oh, you're talking like the qu- yeah, the, mm-hmm. the fourth quarter and in overtime. overtime. Yep. Yeah, that was a, a, a really great time. I loved it. I, I loved every bit of it. Um, voicemails 314-944-1120. Good
2: morning, guys. This is uh, Doug and Wood River. I love the show, but I wanted to get
5: your opinion. I'm a Chiefs fan, and I'm happy they won, but I lost a little respect for Kelsey the way he bumped Coach Reed. What do you guys think? I'm
4: glad you uh, brought
3: that, that up. Day. Yeah, that, great question. Uh, that was uh, – I didn't uh, – I don't know. That was So what he's talking about is there was a moment when things were not going well for the Chiefs in the first half, and Travis Kelsey came off the field screaming at Andy Reed yeah. and bumped into him, and Reed was kind of surprised. Yeah, uh, It was – it was a lot. You I know, have not a, seen
4: a player. Maybe that is normal. Players
3: I, yell at coaches all the like, time. But he was but pretty that aggressive. Was yeah. I don't know if I lost respect for him, but it was a little over the top. Yeah, absolutely was. Hey, so um, we had uh, earlier on the show today. We had Josh uh, Krausar, who is the editor in chief of uh, Jewish Insider. We were talking about Corey Bush and her support in. Her district right now seems to have waned a little bit or Wesley Bell is popular enough that he has a good chance to overtake her because in recent polling, she's not doing very well against him. And we know the next election, um, the county prosecutor, Bell, is looking to upend her. So we talked about that with uh, Kraussar and he likened it or at least he said part of it has to do with her lack of support for Israel right now and how that could be a problem for people on the left. Big picture, I think, especially given the trends in the Democratic Party that you have you know, the squad members like Cory Bush, and you have some left-wing activists, lawmakers in the party. You know, he's been a pretty strong, stalwart supporter of Israel. And, and the fact that they're still uh, continuing to fight Hamas, trying to win the war, trying to do what it takes
1: to defeat them militarily, I think is a sign of the general support that Biden has, has offered to the Jewish state.
3: Yeah, Biden, on the other hand, has been more supportive. And uh, Josh, anyway, thinks that could be a problem for people on the left yeah. that they have not given enough of.
4: Well, and I just think Cory Bush is so... Far to the left. She is so progressive that she makes Wesley Bell, who's a Democrat and is progressive, look almost moderate comparatively speaking or look moderate comparatively speaking because she was one of the last holdouts for defund the police defund the Pentagon Uh, she wants to she has called multiple times for the United States to stop sending any funding to Israel and she is just disconnected from her constituents and she had a big victory a huge upset when she unseated the incumbent Lacey Clay who was really cemented in that position. And it's hard to do that when you have the name recognition of Lacey Clay and Cory Bush, who was no one had heard of her. She was a single mom, a protester in Ferguson, has this great story of beating him for that spot in the House of Representatives, but has since become so really radical in her ideas as to be ineffective you know, there's no compromise going on. There's no actual legislation going on that I think she has alienated a lot of her constituents. And Wesley Bell, who is, you know, a a staunch Democrat, a progressive but also understands the values of the people he's representing. See, and I
3: I, I don't think it has much to do with Israel. I, I don't really think that's what... If she's struggling right now, as the polling suggests, I don't think it's because of that. I think oh, it's I more, think
4: it's more police and yeah, her it's, security it's more, scandals. Right,
3: right. I think it has a lot to do with the Department of Justice investigation. I think it has a lot to do with stuff that's on the local level that affects more people, which is... Which is what Josh
4: Krossauer said. He said, if anything, the biggest struggle would be from her recent funding, security funding scandal.
3: Right. Because I think to Democrats, that kind of stuff does matter for the most part, because we've seen time and time again, Democrats who have behaved in an inappropriate way and people within the party saying, "Okay, you got to you got to go then. I mean, you can't force somebody like, for example, Bob Menendez to leave, but they have gotten behind the effort to get rid of him they've all at least publicly said he's got to go mm-hmm. I, I think everybody except for chuck schumer said he's got to go but you had prominent democrats saying he needs to go typically that's what happens and i i think she's going to run into the same sort of problem here plus wesley bell is well liked and i think that has clearly mm-hmm. a lot to do with it all right um matt Pauly he talked some sports with us today. It was a good game. I mean, the first half was kind of boring. The first quarter was was kind of boring. But at the same time, that's kind of what the Chiefs do. They, they wear teams down. They just they try to stick around. And then in the second half, they always have just enough plays to, to win a game. And it took overtime, obviously, yesterday. But it, it was very much kind of according to script, the way the Chiefs have won oh, a, lot their a lot of games. Oh, don't say script. Oh, my hey, great gosh. Way to go. Yeah, so he's he's feeding into conspiracy theories because that's what Matt Pauly does. But also, you know what happens tomorrow, Amy?
4: Pitchers and catchers.
3: That's right. Uh, Cardinals, pitchers, and catchers report in Jupiter, Florida. Matt Pauly will be in Jupiter, Florida. Reporting Why do you say Florida? Because I want to be a retiree in Florida. And you have to say it like that, like you're from New York. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the, that's the sports right. stuff. That's the stuff that we've talked about today. Anything you missed? On the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, our podcasts, the entire show, all three hours of it Jeez. is available when the show's over and you can go back and listen to all of it.
4: You sometimes talk like you're from the South. You talk like you're from Chicago. You talk like you're from New York. Yeah. You always are. You're a man of many voices. I
3: do a lot of, uh, is that a dialect? Mm-hmm. I do a lot of American dialects. Yeah. I never really touched the West Coast, though.
4: Well, would I mean? Well, unless it's the Californians like Kristen yeah, Wiig and like Bill Hader. That one.
3: I'm gonna start doing Pennsylvania more.
4: And why and don't it's you? So
3: because it'd be something like, all right, after the show's over, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> That's not what it is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna drink some water. Yeah. In all fact, right. I need to get some water when we come back.
4: Well, on that note, when we do come back, uh, how would you like to talk about mental acuity and
3: competency? Oh hell yeah.
4: Yeah, because you're obviously displaying that right now.
3: Chris and Amy on KMOX. Said, again, again, well,
4: are we talking about the NATO comments?
3: Yeah, well, that was NATO. I don't think that, That's OK. Those are two separate things.
4: <laughs> I know. We're not saying bring it back. What in the world? Well, the reason we
3: just played Luke Bryan. Yeah. yeah I mean, you heard uh, Donald Trump. That's completely separate but Luke Bryan we have tickets to give away Mm. to see Luke Bryan July 28th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater yeah and we have tickets all week to give away and we're going to give a pair away right now right now to the contest line be caller number three caller number three well
4: I was going to say to celebrate Chiefs, three Super oh, Bowls. Oh, yeah, three in five Super years. Bowls.
3: Uh, so caller number three to 314 955 1120. 314 955 1120. You'll see Luke Bryan at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater July mm. 28th.
4: Yeah. Well, before the Luke Bryan song, that was Donald Trump speaking at a rally on Saturday in South Carolina and uh, talking about NATO and what seems to be his. Well, and with a lot of disdain, if countries are not paying what he feels is their fair share into NATO or what they should be paying and that, listen, if you're not going to pay, we're not going to protect you. And in fact, I would tell countries like Russia to just do whatever it is they want to do. I agree that you got to put into NATO what you uh, are supposed to put in. But here's the deal. The U.S. has always been the biggest power player in NATO, a huge reason why their nuclear arsenal. The nuclear arsenal that the United States has has always been pretty much the foundational aspect of security within NATO. And there are are others as well. But to be as flippant with it, to be as flippant with your language about encouraging geopolitical adversaries to attack or do whatever they want to your allies because they because they're delinquent in a payment or they're not up to speed. It's just so irresponsible.
3: Well, I, I don't think th- that's the biggest problem with what he said, just inviting Russia to do whatever mm-hmm. they want. Absolutely not, bro. No, that's not. That's if we start that ask Poland, how they're feeling right mm-hmm. now. He's not the president, but ask them how they feel at this very moment. After having heard him say that and knowing that in a few months, well, I guess it'd be a year um, or a little under a year that he would assume the presidency if he wins the election. How do you think Poland feels right now? Don't you think they're terrified or they're already on edge because of what's happening in Ukraine? And then he says something like that. It's I I know we've spent a lot of time talking about competency and and uh, Joe Biden's age, which is a legitimate concern. But so is Trump's and and so is trump's mental capacity Th- those are also concerns and to have him just outright say this that that probably sent shockwaves throughout all of europe and we have a lot of allies there and whether you like it or not we need allies we can't just operate alone like we like nobody else matters and we're the only thing that does we can't do that it's a modern world mm-hmm. we're we're past that time it's not the 1600s we have to behave as if, you know, other countries matter and our relationships with them matter.
4: Yeah. And again, the way Trump was talking about it, kind of like it was a membership fee. It's not. It's It's not a a a membership fee. Well, and it's a guideline and you do pay into it. But one of the strengths of NATO is that all of the NATO members are supposed to spend two percent or minimum of minimum of two percent on their own national defense spending. A lot of countries have fallen short. Most notably would be Germany has fallen short. They hit 1.57% of their GDP was spent on national defense. However, um, Germany has said that this year they, do, they are expected to hit the 2% target. The other countries, aside from the United States, that have meant the 2% target, Poland, Greece, Estonia, Lithuania, Finland, Romania, Hungary, Latvia, Britain, and Slovakia, and so the lower spenders would be like Spain and Belgium that need to maybe button up some of their national defense spending. But it's, it's not a membership fee.
3: No, it's not. And, and I, honestly, the I also kind of NATO doubt, is, the
4: better we are. I
3: also have a lot of doubts that conversation actually went down the way he said it did. I'm sorry. Just don't believe him. Uh, that's Amy Marks-Kors. I'm Chris Ranji. Um, we're going to talk about a potential strike that could happen with Anheuser-Busch when we come back on KMOX. Amy Marks, Kors, and Chris Ranji on KMOX until 1 o'clock. Then it's the Dave Glover Show. We love that you are with us today. There is a, a very possible, if not likely, strike that could happen with workers at Anheuser-Busch, um, which is one of our largest employers here in the St. Louis area and uh, biggest brewery in the world, really, um, part of InBev. So.
0: Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed.
1: PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerd. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast.
3: Electric guest line, Jeff Padallaro is the Secretary, Treasurer, and Principal Officer of Teamsters Local 633 with us this afternoon on KMOX. Jeff, we appreciate your time. How are you?
5: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
4: How so are you
3: today? We're, we're doing great. The uh, The president of the Teamsters earlier this month, a little bit less than two weeks ago, uh, Sean O'Brien said that it is eminent and unavoidable that there will be some halting of beer production at a B, where does it stand right now, and why would this be happening?
5: Well, it stands uh, it's still in the same in the same place because the company has yet to uh, agree to protect the jobs of our members. Uh, our members saw the company through Saw the company through the pandemic. Uh, they put the company on very sound financial footing. Company has had record revenue, and uh, you know it's it's time for for our members to be rewarded for everything they've been through and everything they've done for and on behalf of the company uh, during the life of this five year agreement. And to date, the companies uh, failed to make that commitment to protect our jobs.
4: What is the union? asking for
5: well, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bargain in the press but uh we're looking for job security uh, we've provided the company with a blueprint for how to make that happen uh that rewards our our membership their workers for their efforts during the life of this current agreement uh, protects jobs and basically allows the membership to share in the success that the company has enjoyed over the life of the current collective bargaining agreement. And one of those things is job security. And the companies uh, to date has refused to, uh, to come to grips with that and has refused to recognize and give us any sort of job security commitment.
4: And just, just to clarify, um, with job security, but also is, is there's a push for um, higher wages to deal with inflation, correct?
5: That's correct. So you know, they want to be treated fairly. This company has had, has seen record revenue. They made uh fifty eight, fifty nine billion dollars in twenty twenty three and you know our members are the reason why the company was as successful as it is. And we're looking for our for our share of it.
3: How receptive has the company been to negotiations, which by the way, there is a deadline of February twenty ninth and there's been a commitment on the Teamsters part, to to work up until that deadline on this. So where where is their commitment to be at the table and work on it?
5: Uh, well, the company has refused to recognize uh, the membership's demand for job security. So to that end, we're waiting for the company. And as of February 29th, if we don't have an agreement in place, this company's going to put themselves on strike, midnight March 1st.
4: Uh, there's been reports that the union has said AB's recent negotiation terms um, threatened to close multiple breweries, and AB spokesperson said they denied that accusation and said they've not made a decision regarding their breweries and beer production will continue uninterrupted. Has is that still um, the threat of closing breweries, something that the union understands to be true or or not?
5: Uh, what we know, you know, despite what the company, you know, what the company information line is putting out there, what we know is that the company, as of right now, has failed to recognize the membership's demand for job security. It was our members that got this company to be the success story that it is, uh, who showed up to work through the pandemic, uh, you know, at, at their own risk, risking their families, and they're just looking to be treated with the dignity dignity and respect that they deserve. Uh, they basically, they feel like they've put forth the effort. Now it's the company's turn to put forth the effort. And as of right now, the company has not given them any sense of job security.
3: Would this affect all breweries, all AB uh, breweries around the country, or just a select few?
5: It'll be a national uh, work stoppage on midnight March 1st. And again, the company will put themselves on strike. We've been very clear. We've given this company specific uh, a specific blueprint of what the membership is looking for. There is, there is and should be no surprises as to what the membership wants and what the membership needs in order to feel respected and treated fairly by this company in a, in a successor agreement.
4: I know for our listeners, the phrase job security can be a fairly wide umbrella. Can you give any specifics as to what kind of job security assurances you're asking for?
5: We want to make sure the people, uh, our members, uh, feel like their jobs are going to be for them. Uh, going to be there for them and that you know in uh, busch Bush markets itself as uh, a uh, you know a stand-up employer and we're calling them on that and saying if you're the stand-up employer uh, that you claim that you are, you should be willing to say, hey we support uh, we support the workers who have gotten us to be the success story that we are therefore you know this is our commitment that you know these jobs will stay in these communities.
3: Do, do you mean it in terms of um, not wanting them to downsize their workforce or move their workforce overseas? Is, is that kind of what we're talking about here?
5: We're talking about overall job security. Uh, again, I don't necessarily want to get into details in the in the media, uh, but it's job security. We, we've made it very, uh, very clear to the company uh, what the membership is looking for and what the membership deserves.
3: So then what's the next thing that happens from here?
5: at this point the ball is in the company's court we've told them uh we've told them the pathway to victory and we're waiting to hear from the company you know we're available 24 7 to sit down and you know work through a mutually beneficial deal that will protect our members and reach reach the demands that the members have the reasonable demands that our members have uh and we're willing to do that at any time you know the clock is ticking we will not work beyond uh, February 29th. The company knows this. So our perspective is, you know, they have some work to do. They, they know what needs to happen. Uh, their key principles, and they know what needs to happen and the balls in their court to make it happen. We're here. We're ready to talk. We're ready to, to work through the issues. And, you know, if the company continues to maintain its posture of kicking the can down the road, then they'll put themselves on strike match first.
4: When we talk about this strike potentially happening, would it happen um, at the same time across all of AB's 12 U.S. breweries? Or would it happen in stages? I'm thinking of the United Auto Workers when they would strike at different factories and and then accelerate from there.
5: Uh, I'm not going to get into, you know, sort of our strategy, but as of March 1st at midnight, we will not be working uh without a contract without an agreement
3: jeff uh secretary treasurer principal officer teamsters local 633 we thank you for your time this afternoon and we will talk down the line uh when we have a development
5: i look forward to it thanks for having us again and uh, have a good day thank you that
3: is jeff uh, padillero and you know, I mean, I, I am a I I believe in unions. I believe in protecting workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we could have more detail from him. I, I understand he doesn't want to negotiate, but it would be nice to know specifically right. what it is they want. And I, I, I would err on the side of them, probably not probably not being treated the way they should be treated. But again, I don't know. I don't know what the what the specifics are, but would like to hear those things.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, and then with the wages as well, because obviously workers in a union negotiate wages, don't have quite as many opportunities to increase that pay scale as non-union workers. And you're looking at the collective bargaining agreement. How is this going to work with adjusted for inflation? At the same time, we do know that, union and worker leverage is really strong. Uh, they, it's been a good couple of years for unions being able to make demands.
3: Overall, they've weakened, though, over the last 20 years. Unions are really down from where they were. There's been a concerted effort to, to weaken the union. I'm looking across at the yeah, more
4: of like the past four years, four yeah, to five years, a little bit
3: of a rebound and they deserve it.
4: You've seen we saw that with Boeing. We saw it with United Auto Workers. And so, again, I, I don't know what the demands are and obviously job security is something we all value but it's also a generic term hard to know what that looks like without specifics
3: well uh it would be a bad thing i think if they do go on strike and hopefully uh, something will get done here over the next couple of weeks february 29th is the deadline no this is
4: this is different because this is now i'm moving to anecdote and you can tell me the same thing, I'm sure. I don't know if you know people who've worked at AB. In general, the people I know who've worked there have said it's a good company to work well, for. Well,
3: I would imagine if you're, look, people working in the office are not Teamsters. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about production people. Sure, People sure. who are working in the in the actual brewery part. So And, and never sometimes known- there's
4: a company culture that works from the very top, the CEO, all the way down to the newest member on the floor. Um, we know different companies that have done that. I I don't again just anecdotally, people I know. If uh if you've worked there, if you have thoughts on it. Three zero four four three six seventy nine. Yeah, but again, but again, it
3: matters if you're in the office and the people I knew were like marketing yeah. people, okay. that kind of thing. I so don't know anybody working the, the the floor production. Yeah. which is where the the union actually exists.
4: Yeah, no, I like I said, I've known a few. In both sides, the same with Boeing, you know, you have some people who are working in production, you have some people who are working in offices, um, uh, McCarthy Construction, all these big companies where you see some good culture all the way through. Yeah, I'd be interested. I wonder what I, I would like to know the specifics. Um, but man, that's, I mean, that's a massive impact. If twelve breweries yep. go on strike. That's a big impact for Anheuser Busch for the economy. And also it's not great for the striking workers. I mean it's hard on them to go on strike. Well, of I course. mean yeah.
3: Yeah. But you gotta do what you gotta do if you need to get what you need to get, right? So I, I I don't blame generally speaking, I just don't blame workers for getting everything they can because they they make the product and I don't think they're always as valued as they should be. So that's just not – that's not every industry, of course. Some are worse than others, but hopefully they get what they want.
4: I have a question for you along that line. I know we yeah. got to go. And this is not related to AB anymore. I'm moving past that. But the general – the general sentiment that you believe in workers getting everything they can – some of that is human nature, right? Like capitalism is kind of based on we kind of are looking out for ourselves or whatever. But for workers, being able to get what they can, at what level does that shift for you? Does that shift from manufacturing to office or does it depend on the company? But do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think when, when does that shift where like, well, a worker can get as much as they can, but a CEO can you know, has a different mentality. Well,
3: I mean, CEOs are always very, very well compensated. And I think that's the difference. That's a huge difference. And not not everybody who works in an office setting is compensated fairly either. But But, you understand,
4: like, it's kind of like a philosophical question. Like, when does it, when does it turn from... It's somewhat subjective to say, well, you are already compensated well enough where you can stop pursuing as much as you can get versus you are moderately compensated. Well, there's or a fairly. difference between
3: making forty thousand and four hundred thousand.
4: Sure. But
3: Huge you understand my life. point. Right. So I mean, if you make four hundred thousand doing whatever it is you do, eh, I don't I, I, I don't blame you for getting everything you can possibly get or wanting to, but my my empathy for you is a lot less. Just because you get, dude, four hundred thousand, as opposed to 40. 40 matters. Forty means, am I going to pay mortgage? Am I going to be able but to, to buy food? But here's why it's not just a
4: number, though. And I know this is now we're getting into sports, but why, like, because four hundred thousand for a professional athlete, right, in baseball or football, is nothing. But you're for the workers. Yep, getting more in baseball, and I think their league minimum is a million or close to a million.
3: That is different. Baseball's entirely different because those people are the product. And we're talking about literal billionaires, and the difference between a billion dollars and a million dollars. I think people can't really fathom it, but it is all right. So, like, I saw, I saw a. But we're this talking way. about four
4: hundred thousand. I guess that's what I'm saying. Why the number? I understand you need context, and I, mean, I understand there's something yeah, contrarian the about this even argument.
3: To, I wouldn't even put it in the same boat.
4: But you can see how human nature ultimately, if you work your way up the corporate ladder, you're trying to get as much money as you can, get as high as you can, that once you hit a certain point, you yourself are not going to say, well, I'm going to stop trying to get as much as I can. You're no. going to keep that even if you're the CEO. Right, you're going but my to keep empathy for as you, as you as is you a lot
3: lower as a CEO. It just is. That's Amy Marks-Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. Amy Marks-Cores.
0: This is my show, my microphone, on KMOX.
3: I think the best thing that happens, Amy, Yeah. Is when I look up at the TVs uh, that we have on in the studio yeah. and um, we can't hear what's going on, but they have the, the Chiron at the yep. bottom. And there's one that says, um, leaking urine is not normal. Yeah. Which doesn't sound normal.
4: No, but it sounds true.
3: It does sound it true. It sounds
4: true that leaking urine is not normal.
3: I don't, well.
4: Yeah. Okay. All right. How about we end on a truth social? Okay. This is a Super Bowl Sunday truth tweet from donald trump okay i signed and was responsible for the music modernization act for taylor swift and all other musical artists joe biden didn't do anything for taylor and never will there's no way she could endorse crooked joe biden the worst and most corrupt president in the history of our country and be disloyal to the man who made her so much money besides that I like her boyfriend Travis, even though he may be a liberal and probably can't stand me. I don't.
3: I don't know that he's even a liberal. I don't think he. is. I just.
4: I think he might be apolitical. For doing all a we know. Pfizer
3: ad, and Bud Light makes him a liberal. Why does it have to be? Why do those things need to be political? They've become that way, but they don't need to be. I almost said a bad word. It's Come beer, on. bro. <laughs> Bud Light's beer.
4: I did. I Come did. On push my Bud Lighten Up ad campaign at our Super Bowl party. How'd it go? Everyone loved it. It's great. Bud Lighten Up
3: is so good. And
4: let me just say, this was a bipartisan Super Bowl party, and they loved it.
3: Amy Marks Chris Ranji, back with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Anything you missed on the Odyssey app. Download it for free. Dave Glover's show is next on KMOX.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. (laughs)